Hey everybody, how you doing? My name's Kyle. I surf, I make movies, and I love asking questions. I recently committed to doing a cleanse where I cut out all caffeine, alcohol, dairy, meat, and I am hurting, hurting. Coffee. I had no idea I was so addicted to coffee, but I have a pounding headache at the moment. Pounding. The addictions that we didn't even know that we had. My guest today is Tyler Fox. Tyler hails from the cold water and powerful waves of Santa Cruz, California. He has been fortunate enough to travel throughout Europe, teaching kids to surf, mix it up with the world's best big wave surfers on the Big Wave World Tour, as well as placed fourth in the Mavericks Invitational, where he was the only goofy footer surfer to make the final. Whoever wrote that bio, that was a run-on sentence. His success is not limited to oceanic activities, but also extends to running his local business, Santa Cruz Waves, a print and online media outlet serving Santa Cruz County and beyond. Uh, founded by Tyler in 2010, Santa Cruz Waves acts as a voice for environmental, social, sports, news, and has a growing base of readers. They have about half a million Facebook followers, and it is a super slick magazine that you can find on any and all local business shelves. Um, and I am a contributing writer to the magazine. So check it out. During this conversation, we talked about Tyler's recent trip to Tahiti, which sounded freaking awesome. Uh, we talked about his life as a young professional surfer and uh, what prompted him to start his own business. Um, Drop some good business knowledge for all you young lads with a dream. And uh, we were also talking about sunscreen for a sec, and I was looking for the word oxybenzene, oxobenzene, oxybenzone. How do you, how do you pronounce that? It's, it's the component in sunscreen that kills coral reefs. We're talking about that. All right, please welcome Tyler Fox. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. What was it like the first day that you showed up in Tahiti? Oh, Tahiti. Uh, Tahiti was first day we showed up. It was warm. You know, it reminds you a little bit of Hawaii. Um, definitely a little different vibe because people are speaking French, you know, which is weird. You're used to hearing pigeon, you know? Right. And now it's... It is totally, but similar landscape, like the big green mountains, almost like the Kauai. Yes, mountains, yeah, like the Nepali coast lush, on Kauai. Yeah, Jurassic yeah. Park style, total Jurassic Park, um, pterodactyls, T Rex, like they're all there. Ah! Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. So, um, showed up, got set up with our friend Dominic, who's yep. a photographer over there. Yep. See, as legendary as I made He's, him out to be. Yeah, dude, the guy is great. He just had a little baby, little baby boy. So he had me uh, bring over some some products from the U.S., some like all natural 
baby foods and um, some other things that I took over for him. So it's was, it, it's yeah. crazy when you go out to those places um, like Tahiti or uh, like when I went to South Africa, my friends were like, hey, can you bring this over? Can you bring that over? Because there's just shit that you can't get out yeah, there. Totally. What did he make you bring over for him? Um, <laughs> it was kind of funny because he goes, oh, yeah, do you think you can bring over a couple, you know, a couple products for me, just a few things. And so I guess his, his wife did the ordering and, uh, you know, women like to shop. No. Um, but I ended up getting this big bag from big box from Amazon and it's full of, uh, oatmeal and like raw flour and, sunscreens and baby wipes and like this huge box and i've gone really buddy like this is this is like gonna i'm gonna go over 50 pounds for sure i'm gonna have to like pay fines <laughs> yeah. and so when i get there like i oh and then a 12 pack of bottled water like so i guess the thing with amazon is that they you have to purchase like a certain amount and then they We'll like throw in, I, I don't know how it works, but so I didn't bring the, obviously the bottled water cause it was way too heavy. Um, but when I get there, like I open up my bag and start giving him stuff and he's like, what is this? What is this? Like, I didn't order this. Oh, my wife like must've just started ordering. So, um, it's like but, when you, when you get to the checkout stand and all of a sudden someone starts throwing in yeah, like the magazine totally. and the Trident gum oh, and yeah. the Hershey's bars. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he um he was super appreciative and um I brought him brought him one of our magazines and brought him a bottle of tequila and and he's part Mexican or half Mexican so he was like yes got some tequila good tequila you know so, Dominic's a legend I want to so, get him on this podcast thanks half, Suerte half Mexican and then half well I don't know if he's half Tahitian but he grew up in Tahiti but yeah. I mean the two spots that he learned how to take photos out were Puerto Escondido and Chopu yep which is insane yeah, like the two most like heavy waves and just epic yeah i mean if you see a good shot from chopu like he he always takes those photos from from the jet ski where he's out in front of the wave yeah which is a super cool angle like very few people actually get the angle where the wave is about to break on you yeah um sick i've seen some of the most mental photos from that angle totally the 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 cotton side view right yeah where you're like the cotton side view. Did you, like, did you shoot? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Did you shoot with him at all? He was, um, like I said, he just had a little child, a little uh, boy, I believe, and um, and he, you know, on on our on our trip to out to uh, the end of the road, out to Teopu. Um, Is that how you pronounce it? I think Is that how they? Te- I, I'm trying Teopu? to be not to be just the full odd like lame tourist Teopu. You know, it's like. It's uh, I think it's Tehopu. Tehopu. That's how yeah. they call it. Okay. We'll call it Tehopu from from now on. <laughs> okay. It's like saying Hawaii. Or it's you like don't saying say it. it's you like don't... saying Jaws, you know? Like the Yeah. It's like Piahi. Yeah. I remember when we <clears throat> went over and surfed Piahi for our first time <laughs> this last winter, you were like I was like, Oh yeah, like we're just at Jaws and you like tap me on the like say Piahi. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle. Holly <laughs> boy. Say yeah. Piahi. <laughs> So sure. showed up like walk me through what that whole area is like yeah. um, from the house to kind sure. of going out to the end of the road to going yeah. out to the break. Yeah. So um, they call it like the end of the road. And basically there's one road that goes around the whole island. And 
we um, it's kind of a little trek out there. It's probably an hour and fifteen minutes to drive from Papiete, the airport, to out to uh, Tehopu, and um, they call it the end of the road, which actually the road just ends. It's like a cul-de-sac, you know, and and there's just a, a path that you uh, walk basically out to the little um, bungalows where we were staying. And so we unloaded and, and it's about mid morning now and the um, sun's starting to come up and go out and stand in the grass in front of the bungalows and turn around. And it's just these absolute monumental green mountains just rising straight up um, and uh, super lush. Like these things are steep, but they're, they're totally covered with you know, foliage and, and it's just jungle. Um, but, uh, so I, I think the green mountains are one thing that I'm not used to seeing with waves right there. Um, so, so you head out on a boat from there from there. No, luckily, like we're so close right out at the point that we get to, if you're out there, you can just paddle out in the, in the channel. So there's a, a big channel and it's probably like a 20-minute paddle out, so a lot of guys will try and get on a boat or a ski, but um, easy paddle out, and you hop in the water and just paddle out this big channel and out and around. And um, it was really cool because when we, when we showed up, uh, we had two kayaks there that one had a paddle and one didn't, but they, they served perfectly as little uh, devices to paddle out. Put the board on, on the front of the uh, kayak, you know, and, um, like backpack on with, with your GoPro and maybe some snacks and just paddle out to the buoy. And there's no waves you have to go through. There's a full channel. No, huge channel. It's, it's minor. So, so you don't even need to strap your boards on top. No, just put it backpack, you know, yeah, ready to backpack, go. Backpack, throw the boards on there and paddle right out. Yeah. Epic. So it wasn't as tumultuous as our big Sur adventure. No, so, far from it. Like total, total opposite. It was like just cruising into, um, this calm lagoon, but it, it wasn't 20 feet. I'm sure if it's, you know, really big, you'd probably deal with some more surges and, and shore break and this and that. Yeah. A quick backstory. This last uh, summer, Tyler, my other housemate and I uh, took a trip through Big Sur where we got stand up paddleboard, like race paddleboards, and we strapped camping gear onto the top of it. And we decided to paddle down Big Sur and camp on um, a secluded beach that you can't get to from the road. And um, I kind of half-assed it and just decided <laughs> to use my FCS surf straps oh, to was... put all my camping gear on top of the board, which seemed fine, except that it was a really long paddle and we went for like, what was it, eight, it, 10, yeah. 10 mile paddle? Yeah. I mean, and, and, I, and your, your bag of gear was... Like this huge bag, huge bag, and like my dad had like my, it was, seventy-five pounds. It, no, it was worth like a it was a big dry bag that my dad had gotten from the flea market in like nineteen seventy-five, yeah. old school, <laughs> and I had strapped it on, and it was solid for the first while. But but I don't stand up paddleboard, and it's fucking exhausting after yeah. going for a few hours. And towards the end of the the trip, I, I was getting pretty shaky legs. And I, flipped the paddle or i flipped the the board over and all my shit straight up almost fell out of the the fcs straps 
and basically it was the end of my camping trip, but I held on to it, flipped it back over, and yeah. made it in. It was close. We got to do that one again. We do. We do, for sure. Anyway, back to Chopu. Yeah. Teahopu. 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 <laughs> yeah, Teahopu. Um, so, first thing, we arrive, and <clears throat> it's just it's just out of this fairy tale. It's like... Um, the weather's perfect. It's 85 degrees and the water's 85 degrees. And, um, you know, these mountains are just stunning. It, it, you might have a little rain cloud go by and then all of a sudden there's this rainbow, you know, over the, over the mountains. And it's just really spiritual as, as I'm sure a lot of people, um, can attest that, that have been there. Um, yeah. So the first few days it was flat. So it was like, it was, I was, it was kind of fun. I didn't really want to jump into 12 foot, you know, just death kegs. But, um, what'd you do? Uh, so we went diving. We took those kayaks out and, um, I brought a weight belt actually, which I'm glad I brought, even though it was like eight pounds in my board bag. And, <laughs> hashtag pick, hashtag live simply yeah, you're like sure. <laughs> all your dive gear all yeah. your surf oh, I gear i brought my a bunch, gun too. Brought, you brought the gun brought, brought my uh well, gun well bringing the gun isn't too bad because you can kind of just throw it in with the board bag yeah. and it doesn't it's not that much more weight but the weight belt and then when you get into the rest of the dive gear that's what ends up kind of taking all the room but the so guns seems minor yeah so Brought the gun, brought the brought the uh, full dive gear. Was hoping to maybe go out and uh, get some diving in, some spearfishing in. But um, so, anyways, had had my dive fins, had my weight belt and mask and everything. So we went out and we just cruised around the reef and kind of like hopped off, tied the um, tied the uh, the kayak to one of the pillars, the the markers out there um for for like the channels where the boats go and just right when you hop off it's like whoa this is insane just like you're in an aquarium uh tons of fish um you can see the bottom perfectly so clear how is the stand-up paddle board out too because when you get up a couple feet off we didn't have a stand-up paddle board oh you just did prone paddle boards no i was thinking it's talking about getting out there getting out where getting out to Hope Ka- kayaks kayaks okay <laughs> sorry kayaks okay. yeah Continue. yeah yeah no subs sorry was... i'm re- retarded yeah <laughs> no, you... <laughs> gone. no i pictured you on a big stand-up paddleboard because that's what our big search trip was totally like. continue totally um but a stand-up paddleboard would have been incredible because yeah like like you were kind of going towards is being having that elevation like just from being a foot and a half off the water, you can look down and see like every fish and the reef. And I can only imagine you being like standing up a little higher and looking down. And it was, it was, yeah. Okay. Incredible. So first few days, spearfishing? No spearfishing, um, just diving. And basically like that, we had no car. So it was our, mo- our mode of transportation was this kayak. So we would kayak down the coast and then like haul it up and, and, and go up and have lunch or something. Then we'd hop back in the kayaks, the wet dry bag, go somewhere else and go dive and then like take it back and then go use them to go surf. So it was really cool. And, and that's actually how the Tahitians get around is they have outrigger canoes that 
they hop in and, and take groceries down to grandma, you know, and it's really a neat way of living is like, it's, everything's based around the ocean. It's like, it's all connected to the ocean. Um, radical. Yeah. It was really neat. Like, and are, are there stores? Are there like big, it's sh- funny. Like, like yeah. What's, what's that vibe like? The, there's a few stores, um, you know, your standard little markets, your liquor stores and things. And, um, the restaurants, we ran into this a couple times is that they're very relaxed. Everyone's very relaxed, including their hours. So, you know, you, you, you want to go get breakfast or something. It's like, it's like the hours are from like eight fifteen AM to, to 10, nine 45 AM, just random short little hours, you know? So you kind of have to be on it. Things aren't open all the time. And, um, but uh so you just go to the store we went get, to the store get, we get got groceries food. yeah we went to the big store and and got groceries and and basically in our spot there was a little kitchenette and we um had food to food to eat what there, were you guys but, cooking up um we were cooking up your your standard oatmeal in the in the morning but all the fruits amazing papaya oatmeal with fresh papaya the is jam. insane good poops really good poops yeah so yeah. natural laxative that's right it was it was yeah it was really good and some eggs and um yeah that was basically the breakfast in the morning and it was full day of adventures cool did you get super sunburnt i did yeah i got pretty roasted um but Pierce, uh but i did use the what's that sunscreen that Avasol, Avasol, and dude, I, Avasol. That, no affiliation and, and, with these guys except they sent us a few a few sticks, yeah. and it's organic sunscreen yeah. that is legit. And I've worn it uh, to in Puerto. I've worn it in a bunch of tropical Smells places, like cocoa, and and you kind of just want to like yeah, eat it. yeah. So, Super cool guy that that does use Avasol. That. Use that and um, used uh, some Grand Bomb. A local guy makes it here, so. It's it's cool having options, different options of sunscreen now that are actually good for you. You yeah. know that don't have a, a th- you know a hundred different ingredients yep. that you can't pronounce. Yep. No, they're springing so, up all over the place. It's, it's really, really cool. It's, yeah. And after doing my story on coral reef this last um, winter, so we went out on a boat to survey coral with um, Division of Aquatic Resources and guys from NOAA. And Where, whereabouts it, on the big island. Okay. And, um, all the guys on there were like, Hey, like crew, what kind of, dis- what kind of, uh, sunscreen are you using? And, um, luckily I had the Avasol. So I was like, Oh, don't worry about it. We don't have any, I, I forget the, um, what's the name of the chemical. I'm going to think of it, but there's, there's a, a chemical that basically kills coral. In Benzazoclamine ben- exocyle. Is that what it is? Something, <laughs> no, some, something long. yeah some long word that i'll i'll think of at some point but yeah there there were um the the scientists who actually survey coral say that it's a really big deal especially it's this cumul- cumulative cumulative effect um from all the tourists coming over they lather up and a big thing is that a lot of tourists go in the water too soon before they put uh sunscreen on Until and it, it goes straight thoroughly, up. thoroughly soaks into their pores and exactly yeah gives them cancer exactly either it gives you cancer or it gives the reefs cancer yeah. so um 
Yeah, but it was I I because I, I was never really sure before then if it was a big deal or if that was kind of just one of those hippie like oh this you know it kills yeah. the coral. But yeah. it was scientists from NOAA saying no, this it's really important to be using organic sunscreen. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, hear that everybody. Yeah. So where where do you think people can buy this stuff? Well, the Avasol stuff. Um, I mean, online, and yeah. I think it's in surf shops too. And there's a bunch of yeah. different ones that are kind of springing up. Yeah. Um, there's like that new one called Manda that's mm, yep, that's yep. pretty cool. That it's kind of like has a yep. little like wood jar. And I 88 think they, Springs is a local guy here in Santa Cruz. It's got a lot of good stuff. They do good. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's it's so silly that yeah. as as surfers we use a product that's then killing the environment the reef that makes the good waves it's like that it's yeah. the most um pretty bad it's yeah it's it's so hypocritical yeah anyway um all the good options out there that's great but so then what happened you guys got waves or no so we dove for the first um three days just was cruising diving yep. basically and saw some big fish Saw no big fish, a lot of beautiful fluorescent little fish. Yeah. And I would say one of the highlights of my dives was we were coming back in the evening, um, diving. I mean, we, were we were taking the route that the boats take on the kayaks. And I looked down, and maybe in about 30, 40 feet of water, I see this uh, silhouette of a, a, a like a ray. Um, and I'm like, oh, stop. Like, grab my, my mask and my snorkel and throw on the fins and everything. And I, I'm, I'm like, I got to check this out. I think I see a, a ray down there. So I hop off the the uh, kayak and immediately I see uh, not not one ray, but like 15 all just totally still down at the bottom. Like, and it was the, such a cool uh, visual, you know, like seeing all these rays together because they actually are not, normally in 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 and i and i don't know if you call it a school or not i see you know it's a school of fish but maybe they have a different a flock a flock of rays a, mur <laughs> a, mur a murder of rays yeah something like that but anyways there was a bunch of them down there and 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 they're so graceful they they look like they're dancing birds you know yeah under underwater so took a big breath and started diving down and as i got closer i noticed that they all had these spots, these white spots on them. And they're, I later found out that they're called spotted eagle rays. And um, maybe some of the bigger ones were maybe four four feet, their, their wingspan. And they just started, they were slowly, there was a little current that day in the channel. And they were slowly just flapping, they're ever so gracefully just flapping their, their wings you know and as they got a little closer it kind of spooked them and they they broke up and kind of cruised off you weren't flapping your wings with them feeling, i was i was the, i was trying i was like hey guys spirit. i'm i'm a ray too <laughs> don't mind me but they had some work and i didn't, I didn't, I didn't i'm gonna see you in front of the mirror in the bathroom <laughs> doing your ray dance yeah right <laughs> don't mind oh, me kyle <laughs> just trying to be one with nature i know but uh so that sounds cool it was I mean, epic. compared to Santa Cruz, too, where most days you go diving, you Murky. can't see three three feet in front mm -hmm. of you. Yeah. You're like, average visibility was, you know, 30, 40 feet down. Jesus. Oh, it was... That sounds so really, fun. Really, really So neat. fun. So, I, I was having, uh, do I dare say this, but I was having just as much fun diving as I was surfing. Oh, for sure. You know, it's like... Yeah. Um, well, it's new. It's new for you, right? Yeah. Like you've been surfing your entire life, yeah. and 
it's not as exciting to like your improvements surfing now are yeah. so much more incremental than your diving totally improvements. Like yeah. when you dive now, every single time you get ten percent better, maybe because yeah, or see something new or see something completely new. Like a lot of times, waves. It was a new wave, which is amazing. Yeah, but I that was the very first time I've ever swam down and seen spotted eagle rays. You yeah. know, that was a total new thing for me, new to my eyeballs. And like that kind of stuff is just amazing. That's what I, th- I think we live for as surfers and travelers is to experience new things. Right. You well, I, yeah, I mean, I see it a lot too with, I mean, friends I have who are really good surfers um, that just get kind of over the same old, like going out to your same point and surfing the same wave. Like you got to mix it up, whether or not, whether it's with new equipment or with a new sport where you can be a complete donkey at it because it's so fun to be a beginner and not have any ego attached to an activity, right? Yeah. I mean, you do that all the time. You're, yeah. you're right now learning spearfishing. Um, you're always riding weird boards. Am I, I always, <laughs> I, I feel like you are. I mean, you, you always or ride, body surfing. You're always body or, yeah. surfing or you're, um, oh, that one, that one time with the, oh my gosh, what was that? The, that I put the, um, the hard pieces of plastic, like sheets in my wetsuit. Wait, what? Do you, you remember that? No. What are you talking about? So that was when I, I was trying this new thing, um, to basically for body surfing. Okay. Okay. So I was like, my, my idea was what if you could body surf, but you had like the rails of a surfboard. Okay. Instead of having these big rounded, you know, edges on our thighs and on our, on our, you know, uh, waist, which don't hold a rail really, you know, what if you could have, you could be swimming and body surfing yet you could have these hard edges like a bodyboard or something. So, you know, I had the, all that um, rubber matting around the house and I cut it up and, and inserted like a, like a thigh piece on, on my legs and then on, on my, sh- my cat, my shins and then my stomach and went out there and started body surfing and it, I wor- it worked. It I worked. I swear I was like Hold, my, my, holding the rail. my inertia and like, I had more performance. It was pretty cool. It wasn't very comfortable because it, it was a prototype. It was a prototype. Yeah. But it. You're such a tinkerer, dude. I'm a tinkerer. You're such a tinkerer. Since yeah. I've gotten to know you, like when we first met, when I was like, or like when we first became friends, I was like 16, 17. I was like, I want to train. Like, I want to get all buff. So I hit you up and I was like, hi, Tyler. Like, you want to go train? I remember I went over to your house. And you're like, well, people think that balance boards are all the rage, but let me show you <laughs> the tie board. The tie board, yeah. The tie board. And it's um, basically a lacrosse ball. Bocce that, ball. It's a bocce ball yeah. with an indo board on top of the bocce ball. Yeah. And initially you had a full prototype of like where the bocce ball would then attach to straps so yeah. it was more stable. Encased, yeah. Yeah, but then we just kind of took we simplified it a little bit and just started balancing on the bocce ball on and like the indo board. Yeah. And it's basically 10 times harder than an indo board. Yeah. But kind of awesome. And we would do the little games where we'd like bounce a ball at you and you'd have to be balancing on the Speaking of that, we should get board. on that again. We should. Yeah. Cuz that's like the best training ever. It's goofy, but it's totally works. It's so goofy yeah but it's awesome yeah no all your i I, like 
everything you do, I, like, I seriously think that even, like, more than anything that I see you do that gets you psyched on life, it's tinkering. Like, even, like, dude, I remember going, coming out into the kitchen one time and you were like, Kyle, like, all right, I, I have this bottle and it was like one of those, it was like a big, um, like glass, glass like wine bottle thing, yeah. but it was for water. Yeah. And you remember the story? Totally. And you had put a lemon inside of it and you <laughs> couldn't get, get the it. lemon out. <laughs> so it was full. Like, have you ever seen the, the viral YouTube video of the crow that's trying to get <laughs> the like, piece of food out of it, the, the bottle? So it creates like, like a little hook. Yeah. And then like, the, it's like, a, like the, the tin, steps. the tin hook. Yeah. It was like, you did like a six step tinkering process of yeah. like creating this intricate, like intricate hook to yeah. get your lemon out. And you yeah. were so psyched. I was so into it. I know. Yeah. But it transfers over into everything you do. Like even I'll, I'll, uh, I'll transition into big wave surfing now. Mm-hmm. You're always experimenting with different boards mm-hmm. that other guys can't ride. In this last Mavericks contest, you made the final on an 8.6, which is a board that's a foot shorter than most of the guys in the contest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, and using fins that I don't think anyone's using those speed wing fins, which are basically uh, Rainbow makes these fins where the, the tips are kinked over like a uh, fighter jet airplane wing and it's supposed to um reduce drag at high speeds and that's totally what it feels like they the the drive off off the board and off these fins is i i pretty pretty substantially different than a regular fin really yeah does it work on small waves also it does but what it what it um it lacks in small waves is it it, it's good for um, you're not. It's not as maneuverable. Basically, a regular fin doesn't have that little kinked tip, so it makes it a little looser. Mm. So you kind of want them for. They work really good in bigger, like a big point break or something, where you need to do a big long, um, like bottom turn around a section or something. They work amazing, and mm. in big waves, they work really good as well. Okay, so you're so, riding the rainbow fins in the Mavericks contest. The rainbow, uh, they call them speed wing. The speed wing. Speed wing fins, yeah. On so, an 8.6. On an 8.6. And, what was the decision to ride the 8.6? Um, well, the waves weren't that, I, I mean, they were big. They weren't, they weren't huge that day, that contest. Um, so I had definitely ridden waves out there just as big on, on that board. And... It's it's just got a lot of control, you know. You you when I stand up on it, it's like okay, I can maneuver it. I I don't feel sometimes a bigger board. You just when you stand up, it's like okay, I'm going for a ride wherever this board wants to go. That's where I'm going. And and I don't. I would rather maybe have a little bit steeper, more critical of a takeoff, and then get up. But be but be like, oh, I'm gonna make this little adjustment, or I'm gonna maybe throw in a turn here. And actually you know. surf the wave well rather than just be taken for a ride. Yeah, try try and surf the wave well. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, well, the more maneuverable, more maneuverability you have, the, the more you're going to be able to set a line that's cool and critical totally. rather than exactly. having something that's, you know, you're on an 11-foot surfboard yeah. way out the back. I mean, there's a yeah. time and a place for both of them, yeah. obviously, but yeah. I've, I've found that whenever we've gone up and to go surf Mavericks, you tend to opt for the smaller board. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you, I mean, it's kind of, I want to get your perspective on this, but there's almost like two ways of thinking of surfing that wave. It's like you can be on this massive board, sit really far out the back and probably going to catch the biggest wave of the day, Yep. but you're not going to be able to make as critical of a drop yeah. because of 
the board's too long, basically, mm-hmm. and it can't handle the concave of the wave. Or you could be on a smaller board and you, you're going to probably get more inside waves. You're not going to get the outside biggest wave, but you might be able to take the, a more critical drop and surf the wave well. Yep. Yeah, I think that's pretty darn accurate. And then on a, a really big board, you're not going to probably be able to utilize the left, which being goofy foot, I, I really want to, I just, I think it's, it's an amazing way of going the, the left out there. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's super accurate. I, I would say that, um, to maybe to my fault, I'm, I'm a little impatient as, as a big wave surfer where some guys will just wait out the back for a half an hour. I just, I want to surf. I just want to catch waves, you know? So I would rather catch five 15 footers than, than one, you know, big 20 footer. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm learning to, and and it's all about strategy, like in, in a competition, like what's going to get you through that heat. Maybe it is going to be that, uh, that one big set wave. And, you know, I've, do you feel like you still use a lot of the same strategies that you were using when you're surfing on the WQS in big wave contests? Um, I think some of it I do. I think that having that background in, in kind of small wave competition surfing is, has helped me a little, just even small things like, okay, wear a watch, you know, wear a watch outside your wetsuit and keep an eye on the time. Simple things like that. Or like, okay, I have two pretty good ones. Like now I can be patient, you know? So, you know, you know, some, some of these guys, I, I mean, I don't know. I think everyone's pretty savvy at competing, but they just might not have, some of those little things that you learn from years and years of competing in small waves. Yeah. What was it like being on the WQS? Oh, those were some fun years, I must say. Um, I traveled with three Australians, um, Samba Man, um, Josh Kerr, and uh, and Jock Barnes. And these guys were just awesome. Just really fun, good, uh, down-to-earth guys. And um, obviously Josh Kerr has gone on and, and is super successful on the WCT, but, um, yeah, we'd, you know, we'd rent these little cars and throw on like four board backs stacked to the sky where it was looking like a, um, you know, just almost like a clown car. You know, you see coming into town with these, with these board bags on top of the car, but, uh, it was great. Cause we got to travel all over. I've, I've, the Maldives, Japan, Australia, like I got to see the world at a young, at a young age. I was, I think 22 when I maybe a little, maybe like, I think it was like 21 to 24. Uh, I was traveling and, Full time. and competing quite a, yeah. A lot. Did you feel like you would actually see the world though? Or did you, did you feel like it was more, I mean, the, the sense that I get from a lot of friends I have on the QS is that you show up at the, at the contest site, you stay in the hotel, you figure out how to surf the wave as quickly as possible. And then if you lose, you go home mopey rather than what it seems like you've, you really strive for now is to experience the place. Obviously with your latest Tehopu trip, you're diving, you're, I mean, it, it seems like that's something that you, you want to do more now, but did you feel like you kind of missed that in those years where like, Oh man, I, I went to, Japan, but 
didn't really get to experience it or did you really make an effort to, to yeah. make that happen? Um, I think that's a good question and I think it comes down to the individual. Um, I, I had a really open mind and, and I wanted to experience the culture. So for instance, like in Japan, I I stayed with uh, Yu Sumitomo, local guy, and, and he brought me around and took me to karaoke bars and, and took me to local barbecues where I was eating shit that I have no clue what I was eating and I about barfed one time because I put something in my mouth and I'm like oh can't spit it out like you know what I mean like I think it was like fish I think it was like liver of some sort and it was it was pretty gnarly blowfish from the Simpsons oh god (laughs) you can have one small piece everything else will kill you Yeah, yeah it was it was cool but yeah I think having an open mind and um talking to the microphone oh sorry yeah Open, uh, having an open mind and really just wanting to being, you know, kind of reaching out a little bit to people and and being open to things. And, um, but yeah, I, I think for the most part, we were on the, the, a a mission to compete and to get a good result in, in the competition. So. Because if you're lucky enough, you have sponsors who are paying you to travel around, but the, the sponsorship dollars, especially for QS athletes, aren't just flowing. You're sleeping on the floor. You're going to surf these shitty waves to try and ultimately make it on to the world tour. And it's this kind of like like a lot of guys on the QS are kind of on the bubble figuring out what they really want to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, what they want to do with the future of their surfing, obviously, someone like yourself, someone like Greg Long, who also competed on the WQS, decided that, well, wait, I maybe don't want to go surf shitty waves around the world um, for a while. I'd rather focus on surfing good waves and go and surf in big waves. I mean, for you, you you kind of took a whole nother turn in your life where you're now an entrepreneur um, as well as a pro surfer by starting Santa Cruz Waves. Mm. What was the point that you decided to quit the WQS and what did that, what was the conversation in your head when you decided to make that happen? Yeah, I, I was getting decent results. Um, you were in the top hundred. I was right around there. Yeah, I was getting decent results, but you, I still had a, a, a ways, a little ways to go to, to crack the, the top, I think at that time was 24 or something like that. But, um, you know, my best results were at like Margaret River when it was like six to ten foot and pumping, and and I actually made a ton of rounds. And um, <laughs> they, the all the announcers had a nickname for me, the the Lone Ranger from California, because I was like the only Californian kid still in the event, and made it all the way to I think the quarters or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I kind of realized that you know what I, I, my enjoyment comes from these bigger. Power, more powerful waves and I just don't it doesn't fulfill me to go out there and grovel in one to two foot and kind of like it's almost like acting like you're throwing your arms up and just trying to get as much spray and it, it was a very fake kind of way of surfing in these in these competitions and and I get it you know like the goal is to get to those that where the waves are good and it's kind of like fake it till you make it but I just kind of had enough of the groveling and that sh- sh- in the shitty waves and yeah, throwing pizzas. Throwing the pizzas. A lot, a lot of guys were really good at making pizzas. Yeah, <laughs> w- 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 wiggling the butt around and throwing the pizzas <laughs> yeah, up. For sure. Um, 
so you decided to stop doing the QS. Was it immediate after that that you started your company, Santa Cruz Waves? Um, no, not not right right after. It was maybe a couple years, and so I was getting into more of big wave surfing at that time from in my mid twenties. That and was right when Ghost Trees, G- Ghost Trees down um, in Monterey. Yeah, that was kind of Pescadero Point. Pescadero Point that was and, discovered. Um, so and you got nominated for one of the biggest waves ever towed into. Yeah, one year in '06. It it was measured at like sixty three feet. I see a big photo behind us of yep. that. Um, so you kind of fe- like dove headfirst into the big wave scene. Yeah, I, I was into it, and that was kind of at the time where towins were were pretty popular. A lot of guys were getting jet skis, and guys were towing in over at uh, Peahi and in Maui and all, all over the world. And um, so I kind of hopped on that bandwagon and my tow partner Shane Desmond and I we we got a ski and started going all over we went to up to Lincoln City Oregon and um that was a whole kind of another era you know the the towing era um but to to answer your question um about Santa Cruz waves and it, it it was it was right around that time and I feel like I was doing good I was I was sponsored by a company and um and that company out of the blue kind of just just dropped me and um i i was getting spreads in magazines and and you know no 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 hard feelings but it was just it made me realize that i was simply a marketing piece just simply a, a billboard that if if the company was hurting financially going through anything wanted you know, to restructure, I, you know, the marketing piece is like first to go, you know, always. so always. So yeah. I, you know, at the time, you know, when I was younger, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be here forever. A little naive, you know, like these, they're treating me so well. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's like, well, it's also one of those things where you go from having your entire income, from you know a lot of guys they have a main sponsor so the vast majority of their income is coming from one place and at any time i mean when your contract is up you can go from you know making whatever you're making to nothing to nothing and with very small backup plan and i mean i have friends who have had sponsors that dropped them i mean it's the most fucked shit where they'll drop them at the very last minute so that so the athletes don't actually they They don't have they don't have time to renegotiate with a new company yeah and all the new companies have set their budgets for the following year and then they're out of luck for an entire year or two and then it's like well okay i I was planning on going all these trips doing all you know marketing um for you but now now what am I going to do? And it, I mean, it's yeah. one of those things where it's not its not purely the company's fault because I think that pro servers need to see the writing on the wall and understand that it is this finite um, career. And a lot of times you're marketing to 15-year-olds. So mm-hmm. you're going to be most marketable from mm-hmm. 18 to 25. I think that big wave surfing definitely extends that that lifespan a little bit, but it, it's still finite and you need to be coming up with backup plans and you see a lot of surfers that get they get screwed yeah, man yeah. and they don't have a backup plan totally. like i have i have a friend who um he's a firefighter over on the north shore and um 
he he told me a story one time like so over on the north shore there's a a fire station right across the street um from Foodland, and there's a lot of homeless people that end up um down kind of on the beach there below the the fire station and he he said one time his chief came over to him he's like hey man like you see that guy down there and it's this old homeless guy who's you know laying in his own piss and drunk from from dust till dawn and he said that guy was the hottest pipeline surfer in the 70s that guy was on the cover of every surf magazine wow and he was yeah. like yeah that's yeah. And, and i mean and there are i mean a lot of places like the north shore right yeah. you grow up on the on the north shore it's like it, becoming a pro surfer is almost like you know growing up in west virginia and becoming a coal miner it's just yeah. like you're just oh that's what my dad did that's what all my friends do that's yeah. probably what i'm gonna do yeah and um it it's too bad to see it because you you know especially if you blow up early and you're starting to get covers of magazines at age 16 and the mm -hmm. whole industry is telling you you're the man it's almost like it's almost like being a really hot girl from a really young age and you start to think that all your self-worth is based on one like you have one thing to offer yeah so your identity is then built around you know, being a good surfer yeah and it's man it's just a, a little, bummer yeah you get yeah i mean i think the solution is just like constantly always have backup plans always be learning i mean you're, that's it's, it's and it's, that's it's easier that's, said than than done for sure you know and i i agree so for people listening uh definitely have a backup plan but it's like for someone doing that well you know for a 16 year old kid who's making a bunch of money and just it's like, hey, have a backup plan. The kids are gonna be like, "Kid, shut up, beat it." <laughs> you yeah. know. Totally. But uh, I have the hottest girlfriend yeah, in town. Yeah. All my telling sponsors me. are telling me yeah. that I'm killing it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But I I agree, and 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 that was a wake up call when yeah. I got dropped from that sponsor. It was like, oh shit, like I'm not as. <laughs> I thought you really liked me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought we were friends, man. Yeah. Well, that's another thing about the surf industry, right? Is like everyone's a bro. Yeah. So it's like, dude, like I'm your team manager, bro. Like we're friends, bro. Like <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> I I, bro, I'm not. I, I I actually ride for an amazing company, Patagonia, which yeah. is like I would say as as non that as I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Like they have an ambassador program. They work on having our like the ambassadors that's what they call us like gain other skills they basically straight up say like all right how can we help you gain skills to make you a more well-adjusted human that's in the great. real world which yeah. is awesome i mean that's that's basically like yvonne chenard's i'll just go off on a little tangent about yvonne chenard's like inception of making the surf team um for patagonia was his frustration with seeing a lot of other companies using guys for the best years of their life and then dropping them as soon as they're not the hot ticket anymore. Um, but it led to something that was you never would have expected and now has blown up, um, which is Santa Cruz Waves magazine and um, online. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that. Um, yeah. So Santa Cruz Waves basically started after that me getting dropped and that wake up call. And I was like, okay, screw this. I'm going to create my own destiny. I'm, I'm not going to leave it in, in the hands of someone else. And if I, if I fail, 
it, it's my fault because it's it's my my baby. You know, I f- I failed at raising this thing. Um, what was the idea? Like, where did the idea come from? Because there are yeah. there are local newspapers around yeah. Santa Cruz. Um, like, what was the what was the moment where you're like, oh, yeah. I think that there's something missing here, yeah. and there there's a void that we could fill. So I've I've kind of for many years I've all, I've thought that this community was so special and it wasn't getting the people weren't getting the recognition that that they deserved um, from world class athletes and and chefs musicians writers we've got kind of kind of an, an insane amount of of talented people coming out of this area and I didn't feel like there was a platform that was really serving to to showcase those people on on uh, appropriately um so with that idea and then also the idea of I remember when I wrote the idea down on a napkin it was at a concert down in San Diego and a bunch of us friends were out at this nightclub af- after the the music festival and this guy cruised by and said hey can you guys get together I'm going to take a photo of you you know, for this website. So we all get together. He takes a photo, hands us a card and goes along on his way. The next morning, cards in the pocket. Oh, cool. Like check out your photo here and went to the website and looked at all the photos. And then I saw the photo of all of us and it was like, rad, like it brought back awesome memories. We had such a good time. Like I was like, gosh, that's a cool idea. Like why wouldn't this translate to surfing? Um, you know, it's something that people really enjoy doing and a lot of, a lot of people don't get to see a professional quality photo of themselves. Um, so I invested in a camera. I spent like three grand in a nice lens and, what you get? um, a Canon, uh, 70 to 200, um, 70. And then, uh, the body was a 40D, Canon 40D. So I still have it today and just brought it to Tahiti. So. Um, probably one of the best investments I've, I've made. Uh, so yeah, so I started, I got these cards made. I, I got a website, website going, which took me about four times to get the right website. Um, that's a pretty funny story. We, we spent a couple, probably I think like two grand on this first website and it was horrible. It It was so bad. It looked like a fourth grader created it. So I had to can it because this person just couldn't do it. And I'm like, at that point, that was my first little roadblock. I was like, okay, well, here, we, here we go. Entrepreneur, well, welcome to entrepreneurship. Yeah, 101. What uh, were you guys using? Were you using WordPress or Squarespace? This Remember? was like before Squarespace and before WordPress. This is, this is a um, definitely, this is in 2006. Seven, seven, I think. So um, this is a, it goes a little ways back, and maybe there was Squarespace or WordPress, but I don't remember them sure. at that time. So we got someone else. To, we actually went in the yellow pages and looked at website builders, web designers. Went through all these different pages and found somebody and um, paid them money and went over to their house and said, "We want it to look like this," and go back the next day and it looks like shit. And said, "Can you fix this?" and on and on and on, and finally was like, this person just doesn't have the skill set to create what is in my mind. So I had to be like, okay, thank you. Write him a check 
and just move on to the next person. And so I went through a couple people before I found someone that could create this colorful, beautiful, functional website that I was envisioning. Um, and then, so that was basically the little backstory of, of creating the website. So then I got cards printed up and I went out and started taking photographs of you and other pro surfers and old guys and, and old women and young kids all surfing and enjoying the ocean. And when they come in, I'd give them a card and say, Hey, your, your photo got taken. Go check it out on santacruzwaves.com. And they're like, no way. Really? Like I've never gotten my photo taken. You know, like older guys would be like, I've been surfing for 50 years, man. This is so cool. I've never got my photo taken. <laughs> so like, it was really and, cool. And, well, you're also like bringing them back down to ground for a lot of people. They're like, oh man, I thought I surfed way better than yeah, that. Right? I know. No, photos can lie. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. You can always, can, okay. But so you yourself. Yeah. Just taking photos. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, I was still at you know, really a good surfer, a pro basically. And it was kind of funny that I was going down there and sitting on the, the cliff or whatever and yeah, taking photos of, of pros and, and everyone, everyone else basically in the water. And, and, and yeah. what was the, like, did you have a revenue model in mind? Was it like, all right, like was the idea basically like, okay, I'm going to go take photos of people and then sell it to them on the website. There, or did you have a news component idea at that time? Like how did this all build out? The, the revenue model from the very beginning was, was advertising and was getting the eyeballs. And, and that the biggest, I think difficulty for any website is how do you get those eyeballs? And so I knew that people humans are, are are a vain species they love to see photos of themselves look at instagram people are constantly infatuated with how many likes or or had they they got on their instagram post same deal like if someone if you tell them they got a photo a good photo of themselves they're gonna that curiosity is just gonna just eat them up inside if, no. if they don't go and check it out. Yeah. So that was basically my model to get the eyeballs. So what I would do is I'd put a card um, on on the windshield of, of every car in like surf parking lots. So I knew I was like, okay, I've got about 50 cars right here. Hopefully that translates to 50 views on my website. And, and I think just the more people learned about it, the more they, they told their friends – and slowly but surely, like other photographers are like, hey, you know, can I post on your website? And so one by one, like this other guy with a great lens, like uh, Jeff Gideon Cookson, he was one of our first photographers. He's got this big lens and and now he's down on the beach and he's shooting Joe Blow, who, you know, 50 year old guy with this massive professional lens. And the guy comes in and he's like, you're shooting a photo of me? No way. Are you kidding me? Like, and we're like, yeah, like we're shooting you, man, go to the website. And like people, uh, would go and they'd, they'd purchase a digital copy of the image. And, um, I'd, I'd meet people and, and they'd be like, dude, thank you so much. I've got it framed like in my house, like the this one awesome surf shot of me. So it's super rewarding to give people that, that satisfaction of and then freezing when, that moment. And then when did you actually start making money at it um so i had the website going for 
uh, I'd say six months or so, six or eight months, was just every day shooting photos of people, going around just like uploading all the photos myself, um, working with another friend, Brad, who we were kind of going around and doing like happy hour reviews and just trying to get get this site with more and more local content. Um, and I think, you know, when we were looking at our Google Analytics, we had 300 views per day. And then it was like, okay, 600 views per day. Like that's like our average. And then we're like, oh gosh, like if we can get to like, we can start, this is this is like a value for people advertising on here if we're at like 800 or 1,000 views every single day like um so then i uh, uh then i um i want to just turn that sorry thank you come on come bro. on bro airplane, airplane, airplane mode, mode. <laughs> so no um, respect no respect for the startup podcast you I know, know. <laughs> <laughs> bet if you're on joe rogan you'd put your phone on airplane mode i uh i i would okay well so this is i mean what was it like for you taking time out of the water though because this is like i mean when you're shooting it's like oh i'm gonna go to the spot that's good and i'm not gonna get in the water and i'm just gonna stand on the cliff and shoot people that surf half as good as me yeah like what was what was that like and it was i mean this is also like i mean there are photographers like our good friend chachi who's one of the best photographers in town being like dude tyler like get out there yeah. right now like yeah, i'm yeah. shooting and you're like no like i'm doing this for my my website like what was that yeah conflict like for you in the beginning yeah it was it was challenging for sure um but what i did try and do is is have all usually have my suit and board in the car so what i do is i'd shoot for an hour hour and 20 minutes put the camera gear in the car suit up then go surf. So I wasn't, I wasn't missing every session, right? But I definitely was, you know, like there's windows where the waves are going to be perfect, and that might only last for a half an hour or an hour. So I was definitely missing out. I was sacrificing, but I tried to keep a balance with yeah. with. Uh, and it was something that was new, I'm sure too. Like you're learning a new skill, you're learning photography, you're starting a business. Like uh, this is kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like there's something about beginning something new that can be more exciting than totally. doing something that you've been doing for your whole life. Totally. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like at that time in your life too, you're disenchanted with trying to go out and get sponsored by at least another company within the surf industry. Yeah. Um, so from there, it kind of exploded over the next few years to when you you started getting, I mean, how many views do you get on your website now? Yeah, it's like um, two to three thousand every, every, every day. And how many? Know, some, some, sometimes quite a bit more. And Facebook um, also is a big yeah. component for you yeah. that you kind of leaned on, I think, earlier than a lot of other, um, at least local me- media outlets, leaned on. And now, I mean, how many Facebook fans do you guys have? Uh, we have just about a half a million. Yeah, and it started from, I remember at 7,000, we like created like this banner, like, thank you, we reached 7,000, you know? So, um, and uh, yeah, we've got about a half a million now. And you have, I mean, you've also expanded, where now you have an office. Got an you, office. You have... 
I mean, also, I would say just like from the last few years of um, of us living in the same house, you have gotten a lot more time in the water than when you first moved in. I'd be like, Tyler, we're going surfing. Let's do this. And you'd be like, dude, I need to upload a new gallery. Like you were doing it all yourself. You were doing yeah. Facebook posts yourself yeah. or like I want to say all yourself, but with very little support at the beginning. Yeah. Whereas now I talk to you and you're like, dude, it's like kind of yeah. running. Like yeah. it's... It's just going. So so describe the, yeah. the situation that you have now. Yeah. All, all so, the support um, and what you're doing. You know, in the earlier stages, I brought on um, uh, kind of a, a business person, John Free, and, and he helped me out in the sales side. And um, he had background in that. And then, you know, it, it was all about just formulating your team. I, th- I think having a good team is one of the most important things in, in business. Um, so, you know, fast forward, now we've got uh, a magazine with an amazing uh, Stephanie, our director of sales. She's got her own sales team and they're all awesome. We've got our office managers who are kind of managing this. We've got our event person, which is doing events. We've got a lot of independent contractors, um, my photo editor. I mean, it just it's a huge production now what's going on, but everyone specializes in, in their certain little area. Yeah. And um, you also sniped a lot of people from like uh, you have some of the best writers and editors now in yeah. Santa Cruz that you basically kind of like sniped from other newspapers. You're like, hey, we're starting something. Like, yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Which I think is a really good move rather than trying to get someone who doesn't have the experience as an editor. Mm-hmm. Like, y- y- I mean, Elizabeth yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Well, it it um i don't i don't know if snipe is the right word but you i was gonna (laughs) so basically it was it was good timing yeah um and we had an exciting new product and the the timing of it was basically that uh, a big conglomerate company bought out this local weekly paper and fired half their staff and they didn't know what to do or where to go. And it was like, okay, well, we're doing a magazine. We haven't even launched it yet, but we'll tell you now that it's going to be awesome. So a lot of people came on with just, just fate, you know, like, all right, well, this is new. We're going into new territory here, but. And it's also right around the time. I mean, you launched the magazine in 2010. Oh, excuse me. No, that's, no, that's you, when we launched the website. You launched the, the mag in 2005. 15 right um it's been around for a little over two years so yeah. 2014 2014 yeah june june of 2014 what was the decision to make that first one right there i see that sean uh, dollar on Dollar. the cover um prince dying though man prince dying why are you gonna <laughs> launch a magazine says. yeah right so that's that's very interesting and what i've found to work well for me in in any sort of new endeavors is if everyone's doing something or saying something go the opposite direction and it's it's such a you see it in everywhere in real life the the monkey see monkey do there'll be a surf spot there'll be like a peak down the beach and it's like it's it's crowded you know it it must be good right everyone's gonna run there because it's crowded it must be good but are really, are, but are people like looking really at closely at 
what's really like you and There's I, like you and I, exactly. Down the beach. You're looking at me like that. I know. So, I think basically my point is, if something, if everyone's doing it, it's it's not, and and or if everyone's saying something, don't you don't believe everything you say? And I, th- I think certain areas of print are dying. Yeah, like um, maybe newspapers. Are, are might fade away or they'll change or they'll they'll morph into something else but what what we've created is something super high quality and it's more of like a coffee table book instead of like a newspaper so something that people can collect for years and years i think that that was one of the main like one of the best moves that you made was to get Santa Cruz Waves magazine printed on really nice paper. I mean, it's it's basically like surfer's journal material. And on the cover, there's no um, there's no text mm-hmm. that says like this article inside and this article inside. It's just one beautiful photo. Yeah. I know that you fought for that. And you also got your friend Chris Curtis, who's a woodworker, mm-hmm. to make these beautiful um, stands for the magazines. They're these like old wood stands that yeah. kind of draws your eyes to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm all, I like, I draw, my eyes are drawn to it. I'm like, oh, I'm, just, I'm like, God damn, it's just Tyler's magazine. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm well, actually, well, I'm actually a contributing writer to the magazine hey, as well. Hey, so. I know. We still got to find a name for that one as far as what we're going to call it. Kyle's Corner or something no, more. Dude, that's goofy. That's we're not goofy. Gonna, yeah. Okay, well, I trust you're going to come you're up with You're a goofball, man. No. Something well, but, come on, yeah. good. Anyway, but like you, you fought for that, and I think that that like beautiful image then draws people in, where they're willing to sit down and read the article. Whereas a lot of newspapers have so much text on the front mm-hmm. that it can be kind of overwhelming. Totally, yeah. I think the simplicity is one of our strong points. And you don't, you know, you don't uh, showcase a Ferrari in a used car lot, right? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I just made it up. No, you didn't. I swear. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, business advice for young entrepreneurs. What would you say? Um, what What's the what piece of advice would you have given your twenty five year old self? Um, at twenty five, um, I would give myself the advice of trust your instincts and. I think I think so often that a lot of times we we get super discouraged when we're trying to do things and you know at at first you might have this idea you're excited about it you're like this is awesome you know you're in your room or whatever and you're like this is I really like this idea of this toothbrush that can do everything and can turns into a utensil and and then like combs your hair and <laughs> but then you're like you go and tell your friends about your toothbrush and they're like that's so lame you tell your parents about your toothbrush and they're like eh, no you should probably go to you know become a lawyer get, yeah get your whatever to your doctorate like your, and this and that your toothbrush invention for it's your whole ridiculous. life ridiculous gotta grow up it's ridiculous so I think if people are telling you you're crazy, you're onto something good. Oh, that's deep. Hashtag. <laughs> that's a new trending hashtag on Twitter. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes you've made since uh, starting Santa Cruz Waves? Um, I don't like to look at them as mistakes. I like to look at them as 
learning opportunities. And that's what I say whenever I fall in a wave, whenever <laughs> I like blow a barrel and someone's like, dude, you blew that thing. You're like, you know, you know, I don't like to look at it as a mistake. I like to look at it as a learning opportunity. Thomas Thomas Edison, I didn't fail a thousand times trying to make a light bulb. I learned a thousand ways how not to make a light bulb. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, anything else? Um, We're going to do more tit, of these. Tit, I, I'm curious. So I'm number what on your podcast? Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm okay. not sure when I'm going to release this one. Yeah. But it'll be timely. Awesome. And we'll, we'll do more. Yeah, buddy. For sure. But um, where can people reach out to you? Um, they can follow me on Instagram at Zorro Del Mar. Uh, I was trying to be clever um, like everyone else out the there. Fox. <laughs> um, so Zorro Del Mar is my Instagram. Uh, they can follow Santa Cruz Waves on Instagram. And um, let's see. Reach out to me. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good Cool. Good start. Who who else should I get on the podcast? Oh man. Um one person. One who should person. I reach out to next? I, I think because he's one of your uh your 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 idols. Um <laughs> and uh I think you should try and get, get Tim, Tim Ferris. Ferris! Yeah. <laughs> I think you should try and get Tim Ferris. I think that would be an epic goal. And once you get him on your show, then you can just go and die happy. Yeah, I'd, I'd get him on the show. I'd be like, "Are Kyle? Are you peeing yourself right now?" I'm sorry, I have the worst gas, man. <laughs> oh God, I'm trying to give good uh, tricks and tips for not how not to have bad gas on podcasts with your heroes. Epic. No, man. I mean, he, he's actually someone who I. Uh, it's always interesting because my girlfriend always heckles me about that too because he's been so helpful with. I mean, he, he's just a straight up good teacher. He like helps you break down big goals and make them seem attainable, which yeah. is super helpful. Like he's he has had such a positive benefit on my life. Yeah. Um, with his with the guests that he's had on, and kind of how specific he is with um with how to set a goal well. But it's one of those things where I almost don't want to meet him because there because it's like. No one, no one is as cool as you think they are before you meet them, <laughs> totally, right? And yeah. it's like everyone has asked him every question that I would want to ask him. Maybe not, maybe not. But, no. um, but it's almost like I know it's going to be a letdown. You like, know what you it, should do what you should take him out and have him sit in the channel at Mavericks. Mm, that'd be good. And then do the podcast out. Do there. the podcast out there. Yeah. Now he'd be a good one. Um, we'll make that happen. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Let's go get some dinner. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you enjoyed that podcast, please give it a rating on iTunes. Share it with a friend. It helps. Um, go to my website, kyle.surf, for any and all videos, podcasts, newsletters, all kinds of good stuff. See you again soon. Bye. Mwah.